Liz Rao definitely has a quirky sense of humor. She's an author and now a podcast host. But recently, she's undergone a major change in her life. VSG Bariatric Surgery. Now she's on a journey to discover health and happiness. Join her as she navigates this new world. This is Life with Liz. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's season two of Life with Liz. So as you may or may not have noticed, I took a bit of a hiatus, we shall say, um, and took a couple months off from podcasting for the show. So here's the thing. I do this for fun and out of enjoyment, but at a certain point, I felt like I needed to walk away because I was really over just negativity in general and just people trashing each other on social media. And I got to be honest, I wanted to trash some people on social media, not trash like uh, well, yeah, kind of. I just wanted to tell people to quit being dumb. <laughs> like, so it's not like I was really going to trash them and terrorize them. It's just that I got to the point of frustration, um, especially in the bariatric circle, with people not taking any accountability in this process. Whether you're pre-surgery, post-surgery, it, it started to really wear on me. And when I tell you it was grinding my last nerve to read some of the things people put in some of these Facebook boards. It was grinding my last nerve. Like, I just felt like I needed an exorcism and I needed a break, so I took it. You got to listen to yourself and listen to your inner monologue sometimes, and if, and if your soul is telling you to walk away, walk away. So I did. But now I'm back, and... I want to talk about some of the key frustrations for me because I want to know if you all find this um, or if it bothers you. So, for example, one of the things that really irritated me about the bariatric world um, is that there are people who are definitely just using this as the easy way out. They aren't invested in the work. They're not doing the classes. They're or they're just not paying attention, which is probably honestly just the case because there are things that people post and I'm like, really? Just stop and think. Like, maybe you should think twice before you post something that sounds stupid. Um, and if you're in this process because you didn't take accountability for your lifestyle before, like, you need to start changing your habits. And let me give you an example of this. So... Someone's in their liquid diet, and instead of going to their doctor or their nutritionist, they go online to say, hey, can I have this during my liquid stage, or can I have that? Because they're not taking accountability for the fact that they need to follow the protocol. They are looking for someone who will tell them what they want to hear. We are not doctors. No one in this group is a doctor, so you need to go to your professional to ask them if it's okay to have something. You're looking for a shortcut, and the shortcuts make you sick because you're not going to follow the protocol. Like if you can't make it through the liquid diet, then guess what? Like this is not the journey for you because, and I'm not saying like the liquid diet isn't hard, but it's only step one. Like you're not even in surgery yet and you're already looking for shortcuts. Do you really think you're going to have the 
the strong stamina to follow the steps afterwards if you're already making excuses. Like, it just really bothers me that people are always looking for the easy way out because we preach and preach and preach that bariatric surgery is not taking the easy way out. It's not cheating. It's medically necessary for our health and well-being. So when I see someone who is just already kind of That's how I feel too, Daisy. I'm leaving that in. Um, hold on, I'll be right back. All right, you guys, like, uh, sorry about the break. So um, <laughs> just a side note, if you've ever tried podcasting with a cat who is attached to you and now that you work from home has separation anxiety when you try to go podcast by yourself and you shut a door, um, it's not easy. It's like truly just having a permanent toddler all the time. <laughs> Anyway, back to what we were talking about. Um, So, it's those things on Facebook, or when I see someone who's like, can I have blah, blah, blah during my soft food week? Like, someone asked if they could have uh, tacos. Uh, It's called soft foods, not solid foods. Like, no, you can't have a freaking taco in your soft food week. It's, It's those little things. It's like you're just looking for a loophole. And in this process loopholes aren't going to work. And I feel like I've been very clear about this in this podcast, and I'm sorry to rant, but this is what's been bothering me, all these little things. But if you're looking for a shortcut before you've even gone into surgery and had 80% of your stomach removed, or if you're R&Y or or the uh, the dual on switch, then that's different, you know, different surgery. But um, I just, I wouldn't have the confidence to like go through the process. Like I followed the letter to a T and I was successful with my surgery because of that. And you go through these classes, you go through the diet regimen, you go through the workout um, reasons on why it's so important to exercise and to get your life under control, but also why it's important to change your lifestyle completely for the rest of your life. So if you think I'm going to do the surgery And then I'm going to go back to eating my fried macaroni and cheese balls six nights a week and the weight will stay off. Like, no, you're wrong. Um, That's it's just not going to work for you, sweetheart. And, And that's just what I wanted to say. So I had to get that off my chest. Had to vent a little. So this episode just might might as well be called the VSG bitch. But that is why I needed a break, because it got to the point where I just felt like I felt a need to either respond and maybe not so nicely or walk away. And so I, I walked away. Now I'm back and I'm venting, but at least I'm not going on people's posts and being like, this probably isn't for you, <laughs> you know? So I, I never had any doubts. I never looked back on my decision Um, once I decided I was getting the surgery, I was getting the surgery. Everyone else around me was nervous. And I remember pulling into the hospital and my husband's like, we can turn around. And I'm like, no, we can't. We're going in. So I, I never once thought I was making the wrong decision for myself because I knew I had the commitment within to do the work. And so when I see people not doing the work, I get a little frustrated. Case in point, uh, on Instagram... I've watched people all summer long just live their best life and then complain they didn't lose weight or complain they gained a couple pounds. 
and then acknowledge that they're not eating right, not working out, and then the, they do a, a weigh-in, and, oh, woe is me, why did I do this to myself if it's not going to work, and, you know, losing weight isn't going to make, make you happier, you have to do the work inside, and I'm kind of like, well, you're, you're not doing it, <laughs> like, you're, you're admitting you're not doing it, and then you're looking for pity, or sympathy, or someone else to get in, get in the rowboat of doom with you, and, that's just not how it works. So I, I just want to say this with all sincerity. Just because you see someone who looks like they're succeeding on Facebook or Instagram or whatever medium you're on, you don't know the story behind the picture. So you might look at someone and be like, God, they really like, how come they lost so much more weight? How come the surgery worked better for them? How come, how come, how come? It's just as bad as a what-if scenario or the grass is greener, right? So you don't know what their exercise routine looks like. You don't know what their diet looks like. You don't know if they're actually happy. You have no idea. So while it's important to document and I think it's important to take photos, whether you show them to the world or not, not a big deal. But to me, you don't need to rely on somebody else liking that photo for this journey to work for you. And I just want to say, if you have any doubts about going into bariatric surgery of any kind, talk to the therapist, talk to your doctor, do the research. Don't just go onto a Facebook board and ask people, what their high and low was. Do the work for yourself so that when you do decide to go through with it or you do decide to not go through with it, you can be confident in the choice that you made. All right. So sorry, sorry, sorry for the Debbie Downer session. Although I'm not really sorry (laughs) because I needed to vent. It was just one of those moments and we can move on. That's life, right? So I want to talk about what I've been up to this summer, and then we'll get into my topic of the podcast. So, I've had a very busy summer. So, not only was the bariatric uh, bomb going off in my head, I sold my townhouse that I was living in. That was actually my husband's townhouse. I moved in with him. Um, So, it was never really mine. We found a house in Colorado. It's beautiful. And it's something our family can grow into. But the whole process is so frustrating because you really don't know what you're going to get when you move. Because in order to even get a house right now in Colorado, you're waiving inspections. You're waiving the right to uh, contingency based upon an inspection. So the whole thing is kind of nerve-wracking because you don't really know, right? So we put an offer in on our house, got accepted, and then we put the townhouse up for sale, sold in like two days, all cash offer, and the guy wanted it in three weeks. Well, that worked out perfectly because it ended up being like one week after we moved into our new home, but it's, the whole thing is stressful. That's what I can say because one person feels like they're always doing more work than the other one, but I will say the works are different. I packed and unpacked every single freaking box my husband had to move them. That was the deal. So um, you might feel like you're doing more of the physical labor, but the other person's probably doing more of the organizational labor. Just want to put that out there. Um, 
had to paint the whole house. I don't know what is wrong with these people who had it before. Every wall was brown, including the ceilings. All the trim is brown. It was so dark. Like, you'd go into the bathroom and it's, like, going into, like, I don't know, an outhouse covered in... Use your imagination because everything is brown. Everything. So, lots and lots of painting. I'm very grateful my father came out to help us paint. And my mom um, helps unpack as well. So, we had that going on. Very, very uh, busy summer. I also took a different position in my company, so I now work 100% remote all the time, and I travel less. I rarely talk to people anymore during the day, so that's another reason I came back to the podcast, (laughs) because I'm talking to you, pretty things. And let's see, what else did we do? My husband's also 100% remote. I don't know if I mentioned that, so there are times that I literally have to just pretend I'm on the phone so he doesn't come over and talk to me because I need a little break, a little breaksy. But um, yeah, overall, very, very busy summer. And now I'm back. So the reason I, the number one reason I came back is because I have a friend who is going to go through this surgery. And they've been thinking about it for a while. And they really feel like this is their chance to reset their life. And they asked me, you know, what what were the hard things you dealt with? Like you've said before over and over, like you would do this again in a heartbeat. What were the hard things to deal with? You know? And I said, well, the first thing that comes to mind is hair because that was the first thing I dealt with very early. I'd say within the first month to two months. I'm 14 months post-op right now. I I lost my hair quickly after surgery. Most people take between four to the six-month range. I lost mine much earlier Um, you know, a lot of it's from the anesthesia, but it's also your hormones change, your, (laughs) your nutrition levels change, and your body's trying to relearn how to absorb nutrition. So you lose hair. Um, and that was, you know, that was hard to deal with. It's just hair, but you know, my head is still very thin. I have all these weird little baby hairs growing out everywhere. Um, and as a woman, because I obviously can't speak from a male perspective, but as a woman, you know, that was challenging, I'd say. Um, I am lucky that I did not have an, uh, an apron layer. So when you have that belly overhang or love handle overhang, you know, so I didn't have the amount of loose skin that a lot of patients have. Now, Did it wreak havoc on my boobs? Yes, absolutely, because that is where my loose skin is. So why some people have loose skin on their tummy or in their inner thighs, mine is 100% in my chest. So that was kind of scarring, and you you feel very unattractive, but I mean, it's fixable, right? So... Eventually, I'll get a lift and a tuck and, or what do you really call it? A lift and a reduction. There we go. I don't need a tummy tuck. Um, so, in, in looking at him, you know, he acknowledged right away he would probably need the tummy tuck. He would have a lot of loose skin, but loose skin is better than being um, unhealthy and overweight. And I agreed. And I, I said, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you wouldn't have known if I hadn't told you. 
you know, but that was a challenge. And then I think giving up certain foods, there are things that just don't hit you the same. So nobody told me this and no one else has ever complained about this, but I have trouble now with spicy foods. Never did before. And it doesn't even have to be actual spice. Like Chipotle is too much for my tummy. I don't digest it well anymore. It doesn't like me. And that was hard. A lot of people have issues with lettuce or raw veggies. I don't. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But I introduced it back into my diet pretty early on. Because listen, Liz loves a salad. You know what I'm saying? She's, she'd be crazy. Um, so, you know, I had those moments. But overall... Those aren't things that would have kept me from doing the surgery. If I had to do it all over again, I would still go through it 100%. No regrets. And thinking about it and talking about it and all the different life things that you kind of forget over time because you're just so concentrated on the moment and looking forward that you kind of forget some of the steps you go through. So that overall is what brought me back because at the end of the day I do love to share my experience and I love to hear your experiences. Thank you to those who have reached out to me over Instagram this summer at Liz Brow Official. Uh, your messages just really really meant a lot, really warmed my heart and I appreciate it because you don't have to take the time out of your day to send me a private message but you did and It just shows that you're a kind, kind person. And to those of you who sent me a message, thank you. Thank you very much. So with that being said, let's talk about um, some some tips, some pre-surgery tips. Because he had asked for things that I did uh, before surgery, but also in recovery. And so I kind of made a list. And the first one... This is a generalist. I didn't make it just for this person. Um, The first one is to quit your bad habits before surgery. If you are a smoker or a soda drinker or a sugar addict, cut it, start cutting it out of your life or go cold turkey when you make the decision to have the surgery. Here's why. Things like smoking can make, make healing very, very difficult. Um, It also puts you at a more... Um, at a higher risk of complications for immediate post-operative period issues like collapse of a lung or pneumonia because surgery is hard on your body and you're going under. So by quitting smoking, you're going to give yourself the optimal healing process. And quite frankly, you should quit smoking anyway. Um, So that one is very important, but also soda. So a lot of people will say, oh, you know, after a year you can drink soda again. You really never should because of the carbonation. And you'll learn to deal with the pain to the point where you don't feel it anymore. But that also means you're stretching out your stomach. And so if you're a soda drinker, give it up well before surgery. Because if you try to go cold turkey um, with surgery or with your liquid diet... You're going to have the shakes. You're going to feel terrible. You're going to be, your dizzy spells are going to be even worse. You will be dizzy post-surgery because you're not drinking near enough water and you are taking in so much less um, 
in your food intake, your calories, your nutrition, your body has to learn how to reprocess all over again. Remember what I've always said, you have a new little baby tummy and you got to treat it right. So, and you got to introduce it back into things very slowly. But what you should never introduce it back into is carbonation. And soda by far is the worst. Also, because soda, whether it's real sugar, chemical sugar, whatever it is, creates a dependency in your system. So that's another withdrawal you'll have. Most soda drinkers also really like sweets. Fun fact. So, and that's why, because soda is kind of hitting that reward center of your brain the same way sweets do. So that's my first tip. Quit your bad habits when you decide to go through the surgery. Some people have a year, some people have six months of classes, some people don't do any classes because they're not going through insurance, they're paying cash, and all they have to do is watch a video and they're good to go. Here's what I'm going to tell you, take the time to do the work, because if you try to do it when you're in recovery from surgery, it's going to be so much harder. Tip number two. I don't know why this is, I even have to tell people this, but give up alcohol well before surgery, and don't go back to alcohol within at least three months post-surgery. Because the way your stomach will process it is it will be, you won't have time to metabolize it in your stomach, basically, so it goes straight to your liver. Um, And your body will consume all of its energy trying to metabolize that fatty tissue and not take in the nutrition of your food. Seems very simple, but it is something you have to say. Um, make sure that you forego caffeine as well. So that's another one that, that was hard for me. Not going to lie. Anyone who was around me knows I was kind of mean because three weeks of without coffee for me is like, I, I don't even know what would be like taking away my cat from me for three weeks, I guess. Like, and like take my child, you know, um, It was hard. It was difficult. I made it through. Here's what I'll tell you. During your week prior to surgery, sleep as much as you can. It helps you get through some of the things and and missing food. Post-surgery, you won't have a problem sleeping. And they send you home with pain pills, and you want to take them ahead of the pain. And I know people who are like, oh, I have a high tolerance for pain. Oh, I probably won't even take them. It's not necessarily always for pain. Like, because they also keep you calm and they keep you still because your body gets lethargic and then you're not moving and hopefully they put you to sleep, minded. Um, but you, you always want to be in front of that because you want to give your body the time to rest that it needs. So sure, you have a high tolerance for pain, but there are a couple other reasons you should also be taking those pain pills. Um, I took mine so I could uh, sleep and forget that I couldn't have coffee because I really wanted it. Oh, God, that was hard. I, rem- I just remember. I'm so sad, you guys, thinking about it right now. Um, and my next tip is you have to mentally prepare before surgery. And I, you know, I don't have children. I can't imagine what it's like to recover with children um, and do all of that. But there is a mental and emotional preparation that is, um, it's variable depending on your bariatric group. But I definitely think getting the psychological evaluation is necessary because it allows you to really confront some of your demons 
So I've, I have demons from when I was a teenager that I really never even thought would contribute to this. Um, but you'd be surprised how those come back up over time because when you shed the weight, I think you also start shedding some of those demons. Just my opinion. Um, but I, I definitely think being mentally prepared is huge. Do your research. There's so many YouTubers out there, guys, who have documented their journey. And there are so many blogs. There's so many people on Instagram. There's now quite a few podcasts. Like, there really is an excuse, isn't an excuse because if you're not a researcher and the fact that you don't like to read a lot, you don't necessarily have to. So I just re- really, really recommend weighing out your pros and cons, all of the risks that you're taking, how true you can commit to it and the whole process of it, and really just talking it out. One of the things I think is also really good, and you never have to share it, but write down your journey. Write down your list of questions whenever they pop up. Like, just have a notebook with you. So when you get worried or you think, oh, I don't know the answer to this, you, you're writing it down so you'll remember to go back and find those answers and look for those solutions. And then... The last one is make make a hospital checklist. I seems very very simple, but here's what I'm going to tell you: um, make a checklist and then really go through what you absolutely need and cross out everything else. You're not going to need jewelry. You're not going to need makeup, ladies um, or gentlemen. I guess you really just need comfortable slippers. I took my own pajamas and robe. That robe was a lifesaver because I was freezing in the hospital. Um, and I took my own blanket because I knew I'd be freezing. I've been in the hospital before. I've had surgeries before, so I kind of knew what I would and wouldn't want. Um, if you're not a slipper person, get the socks that have the traction on the bottom of them because you do have to get up and walk after surgery and then they get, get you up basically every hour. I mean, it's no joke. Um, so definitely you want to be comfortable. You want to be warm and you have those leg wrap compression belts on. So I took a nightgown because if I had to worry about unhooking those things in pajama pants over and over again, um, it just would have been frustrating for me personally. Um, so a nightgown was really my better way. I took makeup wipes, not to wipe off makeup, obviously, but, um, if I didn't feel like getting up out of bed, but I wanted to wash my face or something, because you have sticky stuff all over your face after surgery from the breathing tube and um, other things. And then, let's see, I did take my face wash because I'm very religious about that. Never miss a face wash. Um, Chapstick. I think I had some lotion. And then I had my iPad. Because sleeping is not always easy for me, and I did watch several episodes of Bethany and Frederick um, around 3 a.m. in the morning. And then I walked around the, I did some laps and then I started talking to the nurses and they, they didn't want to talk to me. They had other stuff to do. And so you could tell they were annoyed because I was like, let's just talk, let's chat. Um, and then you're high because you're on all these different pain meds, right? So they were probably like, what is up with this girl? Um, love, love you, Parker Adventist Hospital. You were great. Um, but yeah, you really don't need a lot. You, you don't at all. And if you are someone who is kind of like noise sensitive, um, I, you know, I recommend bringing earplugs because you do tend to hear everything that's happening. 
But yeah, you don't need anything at all. I mean, you. I took a tote bag. I didn't take a suitcase. I didn't take a whole bunch of crap. I just took what I knew was necessary. And did I need the iPad? No. But I knew I wanted to watch Bravo, and I didn't know if the TV would have it in the hospital. True story. That's how I chose to bring my iPad. But otherwise, um, yeah, I mean, keep your list light and lean, um, and make sure you have your phone charger. So if you need to call anyone, um, or if you're like me and you just started FaceTiming people out of sheer boredom, then your phone doesn't die. That was a practical tip from me to you. All right, guys. So here we are. Podcast is back. I promise I will not open them all up with a venting session, but thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, I am one year and two months out. So in toddler years, I'm 14 months. And here's what I'll tell you. My one week was, or I'm sorry, my one week, my one year post-op was perfect. I ended up losing 67 pounds my first year. I was two pounds away from my goal. Um, but my doctor was actually perfectly satisfied with where I ended up at one year. Um, I haven't lost any more since then. I'm fully maintaining. I don't really think I need to lose more because I don't want to be skinny. I don't want to look too skinny. I just wanted to be healthy. And truth be told, like women, when you you get older and you lose a lot of weight, you start to look a little haggardy in the face. And I do think I liked my face more when it was fuller. So um, I'm a little scared to lose any more weight because I don't want to look anymore. Uh, I don't want to look more aged than I am, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because I'm 35, almost 36. I do not want to be looking like I'm 52. So my blood work was perfect. My B12 was incredibly high because I all I eat are like egg whites and fish. And... Um, my iron is actually in check, which hasn't happened in, oh God, 10, 12 years, maybe. And um, yeah, it was all good news. And he said, what's the hardest thing for you? And I go, I still cannot eat without drinking water at the same time. And he said, honestly, at a year out, that's not even that big of a deal anymore. That's really for when you're first going into this process, because you want to make sure that you get every single nutrient you can. And I feel normal. One year out, I feel totally normal. I can chug water again. And I don't have any weird issues anymore. And I don't have the weird stomach pains. Like, I don't, sure, I don't eat as much as I used to prior to surgery. But I also don't feel full after two bites. So everyone's a little bit different. I feel just, like I said, completely back to my old self. Just 67 pounds lighter few less demons, and living my best life. So with that being said, thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast and give me a five-star rating because I do this for fun and it would mean so much to me if you liked what I was doing. All right, guys, until then, let's talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life with Liz.